Hi, welcome. Thanks for coming. <laughs> That's pretty rude, wasn't it? I know. <laughs> so the psalm for today and the uh, text that I'll um, preach from is Psalm 51. You might want to follow it. It's a great psalm. Psalm 51. It's on, in the Pew Bibles on page 562. And uh, again, I'll be talking, my talk will be based on Psalm 51. So please listen for the word of God. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost places. Cleanse me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sin and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from thy presence or take thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, this you will not despise. So in thy pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks, and we ask that your Spirit give us wisdom and understanding so that we might grow in mercy and grace in thy name. Amen. So you know that this psalm was uh, written by... King David in response to the prophet Nathan coming into him and telling Nathan that he, or telling David that he, David, was the sinner, that he had sinned, that he had, um, you know, taken Bathsheba as his own, and we'll talk about that story in a minute, but David realizes that he is the guilty, and in response to that, he cries out, oh mercy, have mercy, have mercy. And that's what I want to speak about today. I want to speak about that one word based on Psalm 51, based on David's response to his sin, have mercy. Oh, mercy, mercy. In fact, that's a great word, isn't it? Um, you hear it said sometimes, like well, people go, like I was saying, when they're angry, they'll say, oh, mercy. It's like swearing without, you know, swearing. <laughs> oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. Grandmas say that, I think. Grandma, oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. I'm married to a grandmother, actually. That sounds funny, but it's true. It's both those things. It's, it's both funny and true. Mercy, mercy. She says that. Oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. So I want to talk about mercy today and, and what 
what, what we're asking for when we're asking for mercy. Now let me talk about the title a little bit. Uh, the smarter you be, the dumber you get. It's true, and I'll, I'll hopefully explain that, but I, I put it in text talk, text writing, for this reason. Uh, I'm dumping on you. I, I see, I read these articles, and then I have to respond, so I, I respond to you. And the uh, article I was reading uh, was saying how um, we need to make the gospel relevant for a new generation. And so this is my attempt, you know, but, but the arrogance of that, the arrogance of thinking that we sometime, somehow have to make the gospel relevant. It's not relevant in and of itself. But I'm going to try, and that's why I, I write in text language, and that's, I've used this joke before, but, you know, a good joke. That's why the PowerPoint is up here, because we're such a visual people, we can't really learn without, so you can see up here that I have a five-point sermon, you see that? And they're all of them start, all, every point just starts with P, and then at the end I'm just going to go away and go on vacation. So there you go. So what I'm going to do is structure the talk today so that mercy is kind of like a college course. So you have mercy 101, mercy 201, and, and that. Okay, and each of the points starts with P. You see the top P. And so on the PowerPoint you can see the top P is preliminaries. So this is the kind of stuff you need to know about mercy like before you even go to college, you know, kind of uh, background stuff. So what do we mean by mercy? A kind of definition, preliminaries about mercy. Mercy, by definition, always, always flows from the empowered person to the vulnerable person. It's the empowered that can give mercy. Now that's obvious, but just let me expound. Let's imagine that I get pulled over by a cop because I'm speeding and I'm guilty, okay? How absurd would it be if I opened up the window, cop came over, and I said, you're looking good today, pal. I like this shiny badge, you know what? Do you know why you pulled me over? They always ask that. Do you know why, let me tell you why you pulled me, because I was speeding. And you know what? Today, I'm gonna have mercy on you. That's ridiculous. I don't have mercy on it. He's the guy with the pad and the, and the gun. He has mercy on me. I don't have mercy on him. Mercy always flows from the empowered, to the vulnerable, from God to us. We need mercy. The second thing I want to talk, just in kind of preliminaries, point number one, right there, uh, is that if you look at the description of sin in Psalm 51, you'll see that there are a lot of metaphors. There's lots of ways to describe sin. So, for example, sin in Psalm 51 alone, and I'm not being inclusive here, just some of the descriptions. It's described as filth, that we need washed. Wash me, O Lord. It's described as ignorance. I need your wisdom. It's described as something that we're predestined to be. I was sinful from the time I was conceived, from my mother's birth. Now, we need, let's think about that for a second, because we don't believe that anymore, right? We're evolved. We're smart. You know, we, we weren't... We don't have that original sin thing going on anymore. But let me suggest that we believe in that more strictly than any 17th century Puritan ever did. Now, we don't believe in it spiritually because we're all free agents. We do what we want. And we don't believe in it morally, but we believe in it genetically. We say that over, hey, it's genetic. You know, I can't help who I am. It's genetic, predestined, right? Well, think of it that way. You're predestined. It's in your genes. We are sinners. 
in need of mercy. So we got the preliminaries out of the way. Let's go to Mercy 101. So this is foundational stuff. The first, the second P, preliminaries. Mercy in terms of pardon. Mercy in terms of pardon for sin. Pardon. Now let's look at the context. Let's tell the story again. It's a fun story. You know the story. David is on the roof of his palace, right? And he's looking down on the other roofs, and he sees Bathsheba. And what's Bathsheba doing? Right, bathing. And David's like, wow, look at that. And so, and, and so he gets, you know, bad. And then he, because he's the powered run, remember, he's the empowered, he's king. So has her come up, she becomes pregnant, there's an issue. Um, she's married, so he has Uriah killed in the front of the battle. And then Nathan the prophet comes into him and tells him the story of the ewe lamb. And David summarized David's, or Nathan says, David, you are the man. You are the guilty. You are the sinner. You are the one who has stolen what is not yours. You are the guilty. Now, David's response is Psalm 51. And let me point out at least three things, just three things that happens in this psalm in terms of David's response to his understanding of guilt. The first thing, remember on Mercy 101, mercy is pardon. The first thing that David does is he acknowledges his guilt. I am the guilty. I am the sinner. I brought this upon me. I crucified thee. I am the guilty. In other words, David does not do the confession that we hear from politicians all the time and from celebrities and movie actors and all that. Their confession is, I am sorry if I hurt your feelings. In other words, no culpability on my part. It's just I'm, I feel bad that I hurt your feelings. David doesn't do that. I am the guilty. I sin. So the first thing that David does is he has an honest confession. I know my sin. The second thing that David does in this psalm is that he realizes that his primary sin is against God. Now, he says in the beginning verses, against you and you only have I sinned and done that which is evil in thy sight. Now, obviously, David sinned against Uriah. That would be Bathsheba's husband, obviously. He sinned against Bathsheba. But his primary sin is against God because he broke God's commandments. And by the way, American legal, in fact, Western legal system is based on this principle. When you break the law, you break the law of the state. Yes, you've sinned against a person, but even if that person forgives you, your crime is against the state, and the state has the right to prosecute you. So David understands that his sin is against God first. And in fact, if you look at it, David broke at least four of the Ten Commandments. He committed adultery, he committed murder, he coveted, and frankly, he stole property. I understand, I get it, but in the Old Testament understanding, Bathsheba belonged to Uriah. So he broke four of the laws of God. So he understands his own guilt, he understands that he sinned first against God, and thirdly, David understands that what he needs is restoration. He needs to come back into relationship with God. And so he says, cast me not away from thy presence. Because there's that possibility. He has broken relationship with God, and, 
but what he needs now in pardon is, is restoration. He needs to come back into a relationship with God. So when we ask for forgiveness, when we ask for pardon, Mercy 101, what we do is come back into relationship with God. We do not, we do not eliminate the consequences of our sin. The consequences of our sin remain. And so, for example, the child that was conceived in Bathsheba died. He died. So, when we ask for pardon, we need restoration of relationship, but the consequences of our sin remain. So David understands that. And by the way, when you go into the New Testament, the, the gist of the gospel is that God came to us in Christ and paid that price. The price has been paid. We are restored because Christ paid the price. He died, he rose again, and we in faith are restored into a relationship with God. Now, let me push this a little further. We're still on Pardon 101. Don't get too worried. I know I'm only on the first P, but I'll keep the other one shorter, okay? So, we need pardon for our sin. But there is a progression in the scripture of how we get to full-blown active sin. And the progression is this. And again, these are all P words. So, P is pardon for sin. Mercy is that. But this is the progression. The first in terms of how we get to full-blown sin, is that we have, P, a passing thought. So David is on the roof of the palace. He looks down, and he says, Wow-wee! Look at that! No sin. No sin. We all have passing thoughts. No sin. The second progression is we start to ponder. Hmm, where can I go with this? sin. That's why Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said, you should not kill. I say to you, don't even ponder those things, because that progresses downward. So, passing thought, no sin. Pondering. Planning. David's like, wow, what can I do with this? How can I do it? And, and then, full-blown participation. And so, when David does that, he realizes, after it's pointed out to him by the prophet Nathan, that he needs mercy 101, he needs pardon for the sin that he has committed. But let's go on to mercy 201, and this is a little harder, and that is mercy as protection. Mercy as protection against temptation and against the sin around us. So let's go back to David and the palace. I want you to imagine David's up uh, on his balcony, okay? And he's in the palace, and he's looking down, and what does he say? This is in the Bible. He says, wow-wee. Wow-wee. Hate that up. But just think, you know, and he's looking at Bathsheba. Oh, he's saying, she good-looking. Oh, my gosh. Now, I want you to imagine on the balcony next door is David's grandmother, okay? And David's grandmother is saying what grandmothers say. First of all, she's saying, what is that girl thinking? You know, get dressed. The second thing she's saying is, oh, mercy, mercy, mercy. David, 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 think about this. And in fact, if David would have listened to his grandmother, you should listen to your grandmother, then David would stop it right there. That if David asked for mercy as protection against 
temptation against evil around us, then he wouldn't have gotten the mess that he got into. So the second level of mercy is asking God for his protection, for his presence. That gets harder because we have to live more in the continual presence of God. So it's pardon when we fall. Mercy 201 is protection. Let's move on. Mercy 301 is mercy as praise. Praise to God even when things around us are very difficult. And so David asked, restore to us the joy of thy salvation so we can praise even in the midst of a very broken world. And that's very difficult because the world we're living in is very broken. And we don't live in this broken world simply by being ignorant of the pain and suffering around us. We have to live with our eyes open. We know what goes on. There are crazy people in Aurora, Colorado. There's drunk people that drive in the morning and take out good people. It's, we need to be aware. But in the midst of a very, very difficult, painful world, to ask God's mercy in our hearts so that even in the midst of these painful things, we can have the joy of our salvation, God's salvation in our heart, and praise God. So mercy is pardon, mercy is protection, mercy as praise, and now we're on to mercy 400, which is very difficult indeed, and that is mercy as participation. Participation in the mercy of God. And so Jesus says, for example, be merciful as God is merciful on you. In verse 13, teach me how to be merciful so I can be merciful. Jesus says, freely you have received, now freely give. So that not only are we the recipients of God's mercy, but we practice mercy in a very difficult world. The disciples came to Jesus and they said, you know, there's some creepy people that are really bothering us. How often do we need to forgive them? Seven times? And Jesus said, no, seven times, 70 times, over and over again. And to have that kind of mercy, then we need to have hearts that are, as David says, contrite, open, receptive, broken, to receive the mercy of God so that we can give the mercy of God. That is very, very difficult. And that's why that is Mercy 400. And I want to suggest the title of the sermon, that the further you understand, the more you understand mercy, the more you know you lack it. That mercy is more than just asking forgiveness when we've messed up. Mercy is living in the continual, ongoing presence of God so that in a very broken world we can still praise God, so that we can practice God's mercy in a world around us. And let me conclude with this thought, a challenge. I think too many Christians get stuck in Mercy 101. They presume on the graciousness and the mercy of God. And so we go out and do whatever we want. When we break and fall down, then we'll just run back to God and, and receive his forgiveness. Now understand, that's true, that happens. But I want a vision of the church. I want to see a church where there are more graduate-level students, students that participate intentionally, disciples. Disciple means student. 
disciples who seek not only Mercy 101, but to participate fully in the love and the grace and the mercy of God, and to be God's mercy in a very wounded world. My vision. Let's pray. Lord, we give you thanks that you have shown us mercy even when we don't deserve it. You are merciful because that's your nature. Give us open hearts, Lord, to receive more completely your grace, your mercy, so that in this very wounded world, we might be your love continually, tirelessly, until we find our home in eternity with you. In Jesus' name, amen.